What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, the MFCEO.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. can't expect that everyone is as passionate about racing as we are. We can't expect that everyone is able to hear the silent call of the sea at 5am. Not everyone possesses the ability to smell the difference between rich and lean. nor the ear to differentiate the bark of two cylinders from four. It would not be fair of us to assume that the world understands the yearning and overwhelming compulsion that we have to push through pain, angst, frustration and failure. Some people might not understand the desire to test physical limits, conquer fear, or to tangle with the forces of gravity and physics. But we don't make product for them. to the future but embrace our past we study we analyze we race on Sunday so we can innovate on Monday we exercise trial and error religiously through our commitment to the pursuit of perfection. We learn. How to make products for the people that are capable of dedicating everything to sport. Whether there is a championship involved or not. Alpine stars, one goal, one vision.
dig this. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Bread, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing as well as FMF Racing as well. I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt, with us on the line, uh, number 88 last year, I believe he's dropped that number for 2017, goes by the name of John Short. John, how's it going? Uh, it's, it's going great. I'm happy to be here on the show and talking with you and chatting about how the, the season's prep and everything's going. Absolutely. And before we look forward to 2018, let's uh, let's spin the clocks back to 2016, mainly because we're not, or 2017 rather, uh, we're not quite done with 2017, my friend. Uh, a banner year for you, a year where you take a step forward, not only in Supercross, but outdoors as well. Uh, what clicked for you? What allowed you to, uh, to attain your lowest, uh, so far, national number? Well, I would say, uh, and as far as Supercross goes, especially, I just had a, uh, I guess, a really productive off season. I, um, I got a good three three months of riding Supercross, and that's something that I needed. I didn't have the experience the years prior. Um, so for me, it's just experience on a Supercross track and really uh, strict training, just you know, head down and and kind of going for, going for my goals. But um, yeah, it was. Definitely, just a good off season, honestly. Awesome, man. Well, it's good to good to uh, hear that you you're prepared. Good preparation usually uh, boasts results that uh, you can write home about, and uh, and and you've done exactly that. Now that you're uh, you're you're, you're full, fully immersed into an off season, uh, getting all the ducks in a row to get your sponsors and uh, and and just all of the equipment is ready for 2018. Um, how's the body feeling? Uh, you've had a, a couple of months now to kind of recoup and uh, maybe even race some. So a few off-season races, some smaller races, and stuff like that. What have you been up to over the last eight weeks? Well, uh, unfortunately, the off-season hasn't had any dirt bikes in the picture. I've um, right after Indiana, the last outdoor national, I had to get my wrist fixed. I broke it in Supercross at Daytona, uh, scaphoid injury, and I didn't really know it at okay. the time, but I figured it out. And going outdoors, got a MRI and stuff, so kind of dealt with that and went ahead and it was bothering me but i waited till the end outdoors got surgery done and it's taken a lot longer to i guess recover and heal up than i thought it's it'll be three months at the end of november and that's my uh that's supposed to be when i get my cast off and can start getting back on the bike so basically my whole off season has just been been running weight training just kind of everything other than riding a dirt bike so fitness should be good but um Hopefully we can get back on the bike here soon and uh, start working on what's important, I guess. No doubt. Uh, taking a dirt bike kid off of his dirt bike is uh, is 
a, a terrible, terrible thing, and, and no one would ever want to uh, bestow that upon you. But uh, taking with a grain of salt, working on that, working on the fitness, getting the body uh, sorted out, and uh, also probably gives you a little bit of time to uh, uh, to give back to the community a little bit. And I know you've been doing some schools with uh, the, the likes of, of Blake Wharton. Yeah, uh, Blake, Blake actually helped me out um, during Supercross with, with some riding, you know, kind of, I guess, as, as a trainer role a little bit. And um, uh, I myself have been doing some riding lessons over the off season and some schools here and there just kind of to not only give back to the community but kind of fill my time and, and, and you know, make make use of not being able to ride. Um, so just, just doing that and uh, – you know, kind of working for my dad, working, doing, doing odd things here and there just to, you know, pass the time until I can get back, back on the bike. So. Fair enough, man. Well, uh, like when, when you're, when you're hanging out with Blake, is are you listening to his music specifically or, or is it, uh, is it just Cornell, uh, like Chris Cornell stuff? Like what, what kind of me, like if you're, if you're hanging around Blake Wharton, you're hanging around a guy that's going to listen to a lot of music. So like what, what's he forcing you to listen to pretty much 24 seven? Well, if we're just going to hang out in Denton or, uh, you know, in town, he's got Chris Cornell on or, or something like that. Uh, if we're working out, it's always three days grace. That's, uh, we can't get him off that, that playlist. So that's three days grace. That's yeah. uh, setting the clocks back a little bit with three days. Yeah. Grace. Yeah. Good, good band, but he's, he's all about it. So, um, other than that, that just that type of music right there, the, uh, I'm trying to think of what else was around that time. Uh, Chris, just all the Chris Cornell bands, I guess. So, fair enough. Well, uh, as far as training goes, what is your favorite uh, favorite way to to get active and get yourself sweating? Is it the is it the road bike? Is it uh, running? Is it the rower? Um, do you mix in some weight training? And are you conscious of how much uh, how much weight you put on as far as uh, strength wise? Because uh, you guys have to stay flexible. I always find it's it's quite interesting how motocross racers, as far as their stature and, the, and their their body composition, is always um, just uh, a, a, not not quite your prototypical athlete being like capped shoulders, big like uh, like a, a broader chest, broader shoulders. It's, it's usually a pretty small individual. No, that's that's kind of a that's a good question. Um, we we do a little bit of everything. My my favorite thing to do is I really like to do a mountain biking because it's kind of like riding a dirt bike. Um, mountain biking or running are my kind of favorite things. But uh, I've been working with uh, Bo Boynton and, and Fitwise for a while, and we I mean we do just as much. We do a lot of strength training. We do a lot of plyometrics. We do a lot of stretching. We have active rest days, long cardio days. So really, we we do a lot of everything. So I I don't think that um, uh, saying that strength training is bad. I, I wouldn't say strength training is bad for a motocross racer. I think it's just being smart about it and um, not trying to bulk up but be strong in the right areas. Well, that's important. Yeah, like you said, you don't want to be uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger out there uh, twisting the bars right off of the bike. You want it to stay limber, but you also have to be strong because uh, throwing around a 200-plus pound motorcycle uh, for, for any amount of time, whether it's uh, it, it, whether it's a 20-lap main or uh, or, or two 35-plus uh, twos, you got to have some strength in there as well. Um, and, and, and nobody likes to uh, talk about their weaknesses. Of course, that's what we have to work on every time we go to the track. But uh, for you... 
what would you say is something that you have to work on both fitness wise and, and riding wise? What's something that you are, are always having to kind of uh, keep up on or, or uh, a bad habit that you're having to break? I would say for me is as, especially on riding is from the, as soon as I get, get on the track or take off out of the starting gate, being able to have the, the mental focus and the intensity I do on lap three, you know, so being able to fire on all cylinders right out of the gate, that's something right out of the gate. That's something I kind of struggled with since I've turned pro. Um, so that's a big thing I, I, I plan to work on when I get back on the bike is sprints and intensity and, and, uh, even doing some mental training. Um, just anything I can do to try and have my fastest lap, the first lap of the race, because it doesn't do you any good when you start, start way back and aren't going the pace those guys are going until lap three, you know? Um, so kind of, kind of the same with the gym with that being my weakness on the bike. When I go to the gym, I try and, uh, throw in a lot of high intensity, you know, short interval training, just that kind of stuff. Just to kind of mimic what I what I need to do on the bike. Yeah, and intensity is, is tough to uh, tough to muster up in the gym, and also um, riding to our, uh, our our competition. I find there's a lot of riders out there. They're great in qualifying. They can throw down a heater when they're all by themselves. But uh, often, if they get a bad start, now now they're riding somebody else's race. Now they're riding. Uh, further back than they should, and they have a hard time shaking the pace of those around them. Uh, how do you kind of get out of that? And uh, when you're in a pack of slower riders, say if you get a bad start in, an, in a either an LCQ or a heat race, how do you uh, kind of break away from that and just go, uh, I need to go be racing with those guys? Uh, it's just making your passes as quick as possible. I mean, if you wait until a guy knows you're there, then it's too late, you know? Um for for me, it's I've got so much experience starting <laughs> at the tail end of the pack that I'm getting getting pretty good at you know slicing my way to the front, which is well further up. So that's like I said, that's my my biggest weakness is, is starting too far back, you know. So it is it's easy to get caught up in somebody else's pace if you don't get around them quick enough and you start kind of taking their lines and getting sucked into a slower pace for sure. So what does the uh, the program look like for 2018? Uh, we, we've seen you on Yamahas, we've seen you on Suzuki's, we've seen you in, uh, in in a couple of different kinds of gear, but for the most part, Fly Racing, uh, which is, of course, a great sponsor of this podcast, Fly Racing, the maker of amazing motocross gear and apparel um what, what is your what what will you look like when uh when the gate drops in anaheim one or if you're out east yeah it's it's definitely um going to be 250 east is what we're shooting for because of this injury kind of set us back uh but we're i'm planning on doing yamaha 250f just a little private deal kind of doing it together with a with a few good friends that are kind of helping me financially get to the races uh, kind of like I've done in the past and having some great sponsors on board like Fly and Max from Yamaha and Jim Lewis at Merge Racing to kind of help get the bike going in the right direction. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty similar to what I've done in years past. So, like, that that being said, oh, sorry, uh, you, just, you just cut the no, – I, I didn't want to cut you off there, but, uh, um, like – 
that being said, the fact that you're you're used to this type of a program, uh, what are some mistakes, or maybe maybe it's like maybe not some mistakes, but what are you things you've learned um, in the last uh, couple of years, or kind of doing this on your own to uh, to kind of avoid certain situations, uh, whether that be uh, like uh, certain people, certain products, certain um, just, just certain ways to go about your week um, between races. Yeah, um, I mean, I I wouldn't don't want to speak ill of any anybody's products or anything like that. But um, uh, one of the one of the good things about kind of doing it your, yourself, doing your own program, is you can kind of pick and choose what you think is the best as far as bike or gear or training or whatever it may be. Versus you know maybe maybe going with another effort that uh, you don't have much control over. But um, so. That's kind of uh, that's kind of why I decided to, to do this. There was a couple other smaller avenues I could have probably went down, but uh, obviously I like to be able to run the suspension I like and the motors I like and the bikes and tires, etc. So. Yeah, so, all right. So that that kind of leads me to believe that you are a pickier rider, a guy who really uh, needs to be dialed in, likes to have uh, the things he likes at his beck and call. Going to a team where uh, maybe it was it's a, a a lower level team, like or a, like a lower support level team, but they have team deals where you got to run. X brand, like, like uh, not X brand, but <laughs> those make pretty damn good goggles, but uh, brand Y, and, and you don't like that particular brand, but you have to run it, and uh, and that doesn't, that's one of those things that doesn't allow you to do what you uh, do do best. Um, is that so, is that some of the, some of the things that uh, is kind of the freedom of having a, uh, um, just a, a, a program that's all yours uh, kind of allows? Yeah, yeah, it is, and um you know, obviously, if if the, if the right team came along that I that I was confident in their equipment, I would definitely um, jump on it. But um, you know, there's a there's a bunch of good riders and, and not very many team openings. You know, so uh, that's that's kind of why I do it. And I think there is there are disadvantages and advantages. Like um, doing it myself, I I can't really don't have the budget to hire like a full time mechanic. So that's one of the biggest things that I've struggled with the past couple seasons is working on my bike, doing all the maintenance during the week, getting to the races and either dragging my girlfriend or a buddy or someone that can hold my bike at the starting line for me or, uh, you know, or even showing up, you know, where I went to Southwood this year and didn't even have anybody with me to help me out. And luckily I saw someone that I knew, so he went to the line with me, but, uh, uh, that's something I'm trying to. Nails. Well, <laughs> no, I just that that uh, no, you... seriously. You are like let's, like let's just unpack that for a second there, John. And like, I mean this wholeheartedly. You're going on the line with guys who barely wipe their own ass. Uh, yeah. And 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 they've got like these guys have the 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 dietitian the trainer the suspension guy the motor guy uh the guy that cleans their helmet for them uh they got a guy uh with a a can of energy drink at the end of the race to give them a a, a cold water um and and you and you you so don't don't have so much as as a buddy to hold your bike and and often you run with those guys like 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 like, every, like like it's an even playing field, and that to me is is something truly special. Um, I, that that is uh, like that that is 
just laughing in the face of adversity. And I feel like you should like, like regardless of what your result at the end of each weekend is, I think you could, you, you should be able to take a lot of pride in just the ability that you, uh, uh, that you run with those guys and, and, and you don't back down from that because there's a lot of people who would look at that mountain and say, not for me. Yeah. And it's, um, it is rewarding. Like when, like, like I mentioned Southwick, when I went there with, with nobody showed up by myself, it was, um, rewarding to have the best finish I had all, all season and kind of being there on my own and doing it and, you know, racing around guys that have full-time mechanics and, uh, like you mentioned, all, all kinds of help. So, um, yeah, it, it can be tough at times, but, um, that's, that's, that's something I've learned in the past is this year I really want to try and find somebody who can at least consistently be at the races for me. Cause you know, sometimes you take somebody to the races that isn't, doesn't know much about working on motorcycles and they're really not uh help as far as working on the bike they're just kind of there you know but um no i i appreciate that it it is hard work but if if you want to do something bad enough i feel like you'll find a way to achieve your goals absolutely you will never achieve impossible feats if you don't try impossible things my friend and you're doing exactly that uh, uh this this will remain a standing offer if, uh, if for any reason you do not have a mechanic at a race that i uh, i happen to be at no questions asked uh, uh i'll most likely be drawing boobs on your 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 pit board <laughs> but uh, i will do everything within my power to uh ready tidy lefty lucy and uh and make sure that the axle bolt's good and tight for you. Hey, that's that's all we need. Just let me know what races you're at. I could probably honestly use your help. So awesome. Well, um, is uh, Minneapolis? Although Minneapolis is going to be a combined. You know, that's one of the actually. That's where I wanted to head to next with you. Uh, that's going to be one of those combined races uh, for the, uh, the 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 cup, uh, or I guess it's going to be like a. Um, like the that's that's the that's, I believe it's an East race and that is the uh, the Triple Crown series. Now I don't know if that is all bo- both coasts at that race. I don't believe so. But uh, if if so, uh, how does that race kind of um, uh, like when when you look at that particular race? How does that kind of make sense for you? Well, if if I'm correct, it's a three main event format, isn't it? And they have right. increased time on each one. I think it'll be diff- good because uh, versus your typical 15 minute or 15 lap main event for the lights guys, it's uh, it's uh, just a new format, and and you're gonna see certain guys that have more intensity do better in certain races or good starters. You're gonna see different faces up front, and I think main event two and main event three, you're gonna see guys. Uh, you're going you're gonna to kind of see fitness come into play as well. So versus just one race, you know, the three races, that's more main event time. So more opportunities to do well. I think it's a really cool, really cool deal. I'm excited to get out there and see, see for myself, you know, because I've never raced Monster Cup, and that's kind of a similar format, I guess. That it is. It's it's definitely very different. I feel like uh, it's going to uh, it's it's going to favor different strengths at different times throughout the night. Some guys are great at sprinting. Some guys are great uh, with longer races. They need more. They're they're not as strong on the starts. They need a longer race to pick guys off. And guys do get tired out there. Um, but uh, as far as qualifying goes, do you feel like um, like 
Like, are you are you normally a pretty good qualifier? You feel like you can be inside that top twenty two, uh, or at least uh, get yourself into the the, the night show uh, unscathed. With the fact that uh, you basically have to be part of that t- fast twenty two right out of the gate. Well, I, I, you know, the, you never can tell what the competition's like until you're there. But uh, last year, I had uh, quite a few, uh, you know, eighteenth, nineteenth place qualifying times. Uh, and I, I normally ride the motos faster. My lap times are normally better in the races. So um, I don't know it'll be tough, but I, I'm definitely going to be prepared whatever race I go to. So if it's a triple con race, I'm definitely going to be focused, you know, preparing the week, weeks before on, on sprinting and the, those one lap, dropping that lap time to make sure we're in the main event. Right so on, I man. think I well, can uh, for sure. And I think you can as well. Obviously, you've uh, you've been on a on a steady uh, ascent over the last couple of years. Of course, uh, you're you're going to be a little bit behind the eight ball, having only about like maybe eight ten weeks on the bike uh, before uh, your first East round. I imagine you're going to be racing 250 East, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, as far as uh, um, uh, your preparation for that, you'll be just uh, just motoing down until uh, until the, the the gate drops for that. Um, like Minneapolis will be one of the only uh, East rounds that I most likely will be able to go to. Uh, you can pencil me in, and or maybe even pen me in uh, as as your mechanic for that event if you don't have, already have somebody completely set in stone uh, for at least one race of the year uh, for next for 2018 you've got a mechanic already my friend that that's what I like to hear you're the first one penciled in for 2018 Perfect. so I like I'm part of the program I uh, I will most likely be wearing uh, a 90s motocross jersey a fanny pack uh, and even though I can't pack the gate, I will probably still be wearing motocross boots. Well, luckily, we're probably going to have the expanded steel or expanded metal gates, I think. Isn't that yeah, the exactly. That's one thing. I'll still kind of like, I'll, I'll pretend to like pound it down to get like more traction for you. Uh, oh, okay. And yeah, that'll, yeah, that, that's, that's what's going to it's gonna give you the edge, my friend. Yeah, I like it. Sounds like a fan. For sure. Now, uh, um, as far as uh, sponsors for 2018, what uh, what, have you, what do you have locked up? What are you still looking for as far as, uh, uh, like, uh, would it be boots, clothing, goggles, um, a, uh, a supplement brand as a sponsor, something like that? Do you ever think outside the box as far as companies you can approach uh, that, uh, like, maybe like, like a supplement brand, you're currently spending money maybe on, like, protein powder or something like that. Maybe you'd want to approach a brand, like, uh, whether it be Rhino Power, First Form, uh, Muscle Tech, like call up one of those, one of those brands, and uh, be like, "Hey, fuck, you, you can get some some serious exposure here." Yeah, I've uh, I kind of I kind of send things out to everybody on products I use, whether it's cycling, training, uh, that kind of stuff. I've got I've got the gear, I've got the boots, I've got all that uh, covered. Atlas Brace, uh, Recluse SNF, all that stuff. I actually Hammer Nutrition is somebody I reached out to last year, and they've they sponsored me last year with some product, and they're going to do the, the same again this year. So, uh, yeah, it's cool when you start kind of thinking outside the box, and there's all kinds of different companies that want to be involved and kind of get exposure. For sure. Now, uh, what is the, what was your first sponsor growing up? What, what was the first company that said, hey, John, you know, there would be free product or a great discount, or what was the first company that kind of uh, put, put, 
put you into their tent? I think the first uh, time I ever, you know, thought I had a sponsorship anyways was uh, someone off Hook It. I think it might have been a uh, a graphics company. They, they gave me like a 40% off or something like that. Yeah. Hey, uh, so I, I was on Cloud 9 because, you know, I had never had a, I had never had a logo on my motorcycle that was actually helping me out. You know, it was just stickers I when I bought products. So, uh, yeah, I was probably 13 racing uh, local cross-country races, the local cross-country series, and so I was pumped on it. No doubt. thirteen Going from 13 years old racing cross-country to being uh, a, a national uh, number level uh, supercross and outdoor rider. John, you've uh, you've really made some uh, some amazing strides over the last uh, number of years. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to look back uh, and kind of see where you came from. I think 10 years ago, I was just, uh, I wasn't even riding motocross. I was just riding woods races and... Uh, one day I told my dad, hey, I, I really want to go start doing motocross and try amateur nationals. And uh, so that's, that's what we did and made a, made a run at it and just seeing how far we can take it. No doubt. So uh, I noticed the other day that you had uh, a post on your Instagram that you're giving away some jerseys. Have those already been given away? And if there's any fans who are listening, how do they get their hands on a number 88 uh, John Show jersey? Uh, yeah, actually, that giveaway ended uh, last week, and uh, a kid okay. named Bryson Barnwell won out of Pittsburgh, Texas, and we'll probably do another giveaway here in uh, here in December, close to Christmas. Um, so just stay tuned to my Instagram or my Twitter, and uh, we'll do another giveaway if, if any of you guys are wanting a jersey. For sure. Well, I, I happen to have been born in 1988, so I feel like I need to have a John Short number 88 jersey. I don't know what you could, what we can do to get one of those in my man cave, but uh, that happens to be the number that I run in hockey, and uh, I'd love to run it on my wall here in the uh, in the man cave here. Oh yeah, we can do that. I can, I can send you a jersey. That'd be that'd be cool. It's almost destined that you get one 1988. That's your number in hockey and everything. So yeah. it's all coming. We'll have to make it happen. Well, tell you we'll what. And this is, this is this is recorded, so you can hold me to this. Uh, um, you send me uh, you send me a jersey as well as uh, a number eighty eight front number plate uh, or, or something along those lines uh, off of your motorcycle, uh, and I and make sure you send you send me a return envelope, and in there I will put a a check for four hundred dollars to pay for your first two entries to Supercross two thousand eighteen. How's that sound? Man, that sounds like a deal. That would be awesome. Boom. That would be great. I appreciate it. No problem at all. That's glad to help. help. And uh, and and I, I'm I'm glad to do that for you, my friend. You're a hardworking guy, and uh, and, and you you, der- you deserve that and so much more. So if I can do that for you, as soon as you give me a uh, a, ret- a, a stamped return envelope as well as the the jersey and maybe a piece of plastic off your bike, that'll be on its way to you, my friend. Sounds like a plan. We got a deal. Awesome. Appreciate it. John, before I let you go, I know I know you've got a ton of great sponsors and uh, and all of them uh deserve their due. If you could run down those sponsors for me and uh, and get those guys plugged in because uh those guys are working hard to allow you to do what you do best. Yeah, I've I've got some great some great family, some great friends and companies that help me out. I couldn't do it without the McWhorter family. Uh my friend Eddie Eddie Lee, Dr. Robert Clifford 
Superfly Racing, Jason Bersendine at Maxim Yamaha, Jim Lewis at Merge Racing, Scott Cooney, DSC Construction, Recluse, FMF, 100%, Dunlop, CD, Atlas Brace, Vertex, Hot Cams, Five Star Roofing, Gainesville Sheet Metal, um, and then all my buddies who kind of stepped up in mechanic for me and my girlfriend Ashley. Uh, everybody's made the made the program possible for the last for the 2017 season. So thank you guys. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hey everyone, let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. FlyRacing.com is the home of quality and innovation. The design team at Fly tirelessly rebuild and retool premium lines like the Evolution 2.0 and Light Hydrogen with features like zipper lock to prevent closure failures and EVO's BOA technology, which ensures the perfect fit. Complete your protective gear combo head-to-toe with Fly Racing F2 Carbon MIPS Retrospect and Fly's entry into the premium boot segment with their sector. All products and colorways are available at FlyRacing.com. In motorsports, the action pulls us in, and often we never get close enough to the exhilaration and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available, nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action than the collective experience. Dave Drakes has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler Enticknap, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, A.J. Catanzaro, you need to check out the collective experience today. TheCollectiveXP.com, as well as TheCollectiveEX on Instagram, is where you can find the collective experience. Do so immediately. The collective experience. Nobody gets you closer. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well... You better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. Hey, Big MX listeners, it's time for another commercial break. Please listen carefully to these, and we'll be right back to the show. Thanks. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now, and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, talon and kite aluminum hubs, galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, 
Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. Hey, Big MX fans. Thanks for listening to this podcast and hope you're enjoying it. I want you guys to head on over to TractionMX.com. TractionMX is the place to get your seat covers for any bike that you have, whether it be a Husqvarna, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha, KTM, you name it. These guys have a great seat cover for you. They're durable, they're flashy, they're eye-catching, and they're one-of-a-kind. The reason why they're one-of-a-kind is because you design your own. You pick the fabrics, you pick the ribs, you pick the everything all the way down to the stitching uh, color that they use on the seat cover itself. Traction MX is your one-stop shop to set your bike apart from the herd 110%. These seat covers start at just $69.95 American, and uh, the average turnaround is a one to two weeks. One to two weeks from now, you could have a bike that's looking completely different than it does right now. So head on over to TractionMX.com, start shopping, start designing, and make something special like for you today. Going viral with Viral Brand. Viral Brand is setting its sights on being one of the leading brands in the extreme sports market, from supercross to snowcross and snowboarding, and everything in between. Viral Brand is working hard to not only bring you premium products, quality eyewear, and killer style, but award-winning support with every sport. Head on over to theviralbrand.com and get tinted lenses, clear lenses, 10-packet tear-offs, and goggle bag for only $59.99. Viral Brand products are available in the U.S., Canada, and Australia, and used exclusively by the Barn Pros Racing MX Home Depot Yamaha team for the 2017 season. Go viral with the viral brand. And we're back. Big MX radio podcast show brought to you by Fly Racing and FMF Racing as well. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, still on the line here with none other than Ryan Hughes. Ryan, how's it going? Uh, things are going great, man. Things are going really good. Life, uh, Life is tickling, tickling me in all good places. <laughs> awesome. And uh, before we get too far into this, uh, we have to acknowledge the fact that uh, not long ago, you were able to uh, ride a brand new 2018 250F from Honda and, and brought out some retro gear from Fox that I was a huge fan of. What was it like throwing on the old gear, man? Uh, I mean, you know, it, actually, I mean, you you put the gear on the gears gear, but you'd be amazed at, uh, how heavy the, the jerseys are, you know, or yeah. were, uh, how suffocated you felt in them because it was a little bit warm that day, probably like 95. So, uh, and that you could really tell the difference. And then I ripped a hole in the side of the, the pants that I was wearing. So I was like, ah, let's, you know, I'm going to take these off so I don't just destroy them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put the new stuff off, the new Fox stuff, 18 stuff on, and holy shit, man, I was like, I was like in an air conditioner, you know, <laughs> it breathes so much better, so much lighter, so much better fitting, you know? Yeah. So, you know, the, the gear's going, anybody that has baggy gear is just completely out of style now. Everything needs to be fitted because, you know, you got to think about it a little bit that <clears throat> if Formula One, 
of course they're going way way higher speeds but you know they they put so much technology into <clears throat> aerodynamics down to the smallest little fin but you're saying okay it's powered by a big engine okay it's you know they're going much faster so aerodynamics helps more of course but then you got to look at like in Lance Armstrong or something and how much attention they put on aerodynamics going at 20 miles an hour 30 miles an hour so a motorcycle's going you know that fast and Hey, a drag is drag is drag. I I, I think so. For maybe sure. there's a little air with you know gear kind of flapping in the wind. It's a little bit more streamlined. You're not uh, maybe getting affected as much. You know, we we don't know because we've never had sensors on this. But if you go back to other sports, there could be a little something there. Not that you're going to maybe truly see a performance difference, but uh, I guess just the biggest thing, it looks cooler. <laughs> Absolutely. And and, and, and for, for, for all intents and purposes, you look at any sport, regardless if it's football, baseball, hockey, the, the uniform over time has become more form-fitted. Football players, whether they're wearing the neoprene on the arms or, or like a very form-fitted jersey, uh, they're, they're, like you said, way less drag. You want to r- run in a straight line with a big cotton t-shirt or, or, or something that's completely form-fitted, uh, some compression wear that's also going to uh, uh, keep things more flowing in the right direction, if you know what I mean. Um, like that, The compression wear that uh, some of the companies have introduced uh, in, in recent history uh, is, is a huge benefit to uh, both circulation and just uh, that flow of the body. Yeah, exactly. And again, if you look at, if you look at a fit human body, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. So when you can outline that in, in gear, clothes, whatever, well, then it looks a lot better than just some a bunch of clothes hanging off it like a, a hanger, you know? So, uh, yeah, it, it's a cool thing. So I'm glad that the sport is progressing that way for sure. Absolutely. The, the only the only drawback now is that we see a lot of those racers, uh, like uh, I think you would agree that the, the physique of a, of a football player is a little bit more conducive to c- compression wear uh, than, say, your, your average motocross racer that's about five foot nine, maybe that's on the, on the high end at about 100, 150 pounds. That's not exactly an imposing, imposing fi- figure when, when, when wearing uh, compression wear. Well, it just depends on what level you're talking about. True. If you look at a Ryan Dungey, you look at a Ryan Dungey, it's very impressive. If you look at a Eli Tomac, it's very impressive. If you look at a um, a um, Ken Roxton, it's very impressive. But if you start going down the ranks, start going down the numbers, they start not getting impressive because the riders are lazy. The riders don't train as hard. The riders don't have the focus. The riders don't have the discipline. The riders don't have that sacrifice. So it's not it's not motocross. Motocross builds amazing bodies. You know, cause we're the fittest athletes on earth. But it's the guys that aren't disciplined, it's the guys that aren't focused, that eat shit, that stay up late, that uh, don't do the little things that those top three guys that I mentioned uh, that do. So there you go. You know, it, it just depends on the person. For sure. I think, I think that's a little bit of an extra feather in the cap of those uh, top three, five guys who, um, and I, I'd honestly be stretching to say that it's even five guys at the top of each class that are really uh, absolute physical specimens. The fact that they've got everything at their beck and call on the top of the fact that they've got the uh, the physique and the fitness to, to match the equipment around them. And I think it's something quite special. Yeah, you know, for me, it just blows me away that someone can race motocross. That's that the intensity that it asks for, and the and the levels that it puts your body, and the work that it takes to do it. And they're still pudgy, they're still soft, or they're fat. It's like, <laughs> how, 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 how? If you do this thing correctly, if you do the sport correctly, how could you ever be soft? You know, but you see some of the top guys with bellies and this and that. It's just, it's just I, I would it'd be unexplain it'd be unacceptable when if it was on my team. If someone's on my team and they're out of shape, they're fat, or they 
pudgy or they're soft, unexplained, un- unacceptable. We need to, you know, look at your nutrition. We need to start, you know, doing some different things. You know, I'm not going to go into it all damn day, but it's just, it's unacceptable for a top athlete because if you're a professional athlete, you got to <clears throat> start treating yourself different. You got to think different than the next. You got to eat different than the next. You got to sleep different than the next. You got to act different than the next because you're not the norm. The norm is the ones that go to jobs every day and you get told what to do. You're a professional athlete and a professional athlete doing a sport that is unmatched by any other sport. No motorsport can even match what motocross does. And then you put that into any stick and ball sport or any hand, you know, combat sport. It still takes, takes the cake because of, of what we're controlling under us and then the conditions that we're riding over. So, uh, you know, people don't realize what kind of special athletes motocrossers are because it's not we just do it on the weekends like, you know, NASCAR, Formula One, MotoGP. They, we do it day in, day out, five days a week, weekend, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, 20 years, crash, knock ourselves out, you know, broken bones, surgeries, all this stuff, and we come back and we come back and we come back like we've never missed a beat. That is an athlete that uh, is, is special. But you know, unfortunately, in our sport, we don't get recognized so much. So I don't feel there's been as much testing done on athletes, you know, what the focus and the the concentration that it takes to do this. If there was a test and we were, you know, tested towards other athletes, I think people would see, you know, the the, the difference if you took like a dungy and compared them to, you know, an all-around athlete. You, he would be, I think he'd take the cake. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. And I think, uh, in the case of, uh, or Ryan Dungey or an Eli Tomac, it's, it's taking pride in your work. It's, you, you're working, it's, it's no different than a mechanic. They, they, the mechanic is only as good as the tools that are within his hands and a, and the, an athlete's body is the tool he uses to, uh, to, to maneuver the motorcycle, but to maneuver his body and to push himself to the very limit. If, if you're, if you want to be in that 1%, you have to do that 1%. You have to be in the 1% of everything. You have to be sleeping better than 99% of the people out there. You need to be eating better than 99% of the people out there. And when 99% of the people put their hands down and say, I'm done, I, I can't go anymore, you have to keep going. Yeah, you have to keep going, but then also you have to be able to know when to stop because there's True. a lot of people that can, and that was my problem when I raced, is there's a lot of people that can just work hard and work harder than anybody else and suffer more than anybody else. And I'm one of those guys, but once I got older, wiser, you know, this and that, I found out that it wasn't so much of who could push the hardest. It's about sometimes training the smartest and knowing when to go two reps less, knowing when to call it a day, knowing when you're not feeling the best and riding at 80%, you know, and not always trying to go at 100% because there's no way you can match 100%. And like racing, fitness, all that, you only have so many matches in your matchbox. And if you're if you're using them up during the week, uh, how do you, how can you use them on the weekend? And I always remember McGrath telling me it was my best day of Sunday or my best day of Saturday. And I say, what do you mean? He goes, well, <clears throat> at Monday I'm 80%. And by Wednesday I'm 85% by, you know, Friday I'm 90%. And on Saturday I'm hundred percent. And I'm like, huh, shit. Cause Monday I was a hundred. Then Tuesday I was a hundred. Then Thursday I was a hundred. Then Friday I was 95. And then Sunday and then Saturday I was probably 90, you know? So this is the thing about being a coach. If you're coaching people the same way you did it, then you have not looked back at what you did, analyzed what you did, dissected what you did to be able to coach different, or your ego is just too too big thinking that you know it all. Because a coach should coach what should teach and coach way better than the way they did it. Because you know a, a coach that is aware would look back on how he did it 
and find out all the holes and all the weaknesses that he had and find out where he could be better at and then teach his students that, you know? For sure. And then I'm sure there's a, a million mistakes that you'd made over your professional career that you can now pass on to uh, uh, a Hayden Deegan or a Talon Hawken or uh, or your athletes on the, on the team that you're now running. Uh, like, uh, how do you approach each, each rider differently and what are some of the things that are most important that you uh, uh, stress to these riders? Well, you know, again, you can't train each rider the same because each rider is different. You've got to kind of be a chameleon with each one of them. Some of them are strong mentally. Some are weak mentally. Some are strong physically and weak physically, you know, da-da-da. Uh, some you have to work on techniques. Some you don't. So that's where, you know, if you're just a, if you just go off numbers, you know, like a lot of coaches do, they just go off heart rates and stuff like that, well, then that's, that's easy. You know, you just take someone's heart rate and find out what it is and know when to sit, stay in this zone and that zone and know your 10 beats higher, blah, blah, blah. But when you got to really fine tune what's what's happening emotionally and mentally, why they can't get over these humps, why their speed can't get any better because their technique won't allow it, why they keep crashing because their technique is causing it. Um, you know, there, there's there's so many little things that I look at. I don't I don't ever go off heart rates. I don't go off any of that shit because, again, you know, numbers don't make speed. Technique, approach, you know, positioning that makes speed. And the perfect example was Josh Hansen and, 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 and also uh, Ronnie Mack at the <clears throat> Red Bull Fit Rhythm, okay? They beat guys that were very fit and very good, and it was only by technique. It was only by, you know, you know this and that. It wasn't, by, uh, it wasn't by fitness. Now, to gain fitness, yeah, numbers come in, 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 into play because to get fitness, you just have to be consistent with it. But to get speed, speed is hard to get because you've got to change things you got to work on new things. you got to maybe even slow down a little bit, or you have to start riding over your comfort zone a little bit. But you have to make sure that your technique can handle it, and that's what's wrong with so many people in our sport is their technique won't allow any more speed. Their technique won't allow them to get through better sections. Their technique won't allow them to get through the whoops better, and they want to just come talk about the bike, the bike, the bike, or the track, the track, the track, and it's not that. You're not focusing on where the body should be. I mean, there's only one – there's only one – important thing to do when you're starting to ride motocross is master how to ride the motorcycle once you do that then start moving on to everything else but why be super fit and why be super that if you can't even ride the motorcycle correct that's just ignorance you know it's it's and and again if you're not using the body correctly just like i explained to my riders and all of them you know there's a few things they go look at the motorcycle everything on that motorcycle has to work properly if your back brake is too low your throttle has just a little bit too much play in it guess what you're coming in and changing it. If your forks are too soft, guess what? You're coming in and changing it, okay? But if every joint of your body isn't moving, then you're not using your body to the true potential. And so a lot of people, you know, I see people with neck braces and I see with this, so they're riding flat-footed, their, their, their ankles aren't moving, their knees move, their hips are tucked in, so they're not moving their hips, their upper body's going backwards, and the motorcycle's going forward, so they're always in a constant pull with their arms, so their elbows are tight and their shoulders are tight, and that's what's usually moving on the motorcycle. So if you got to think about it, they're only moving one part of their body, and then they're wearing knee braces, and knee braces eliminate the body's interior and exterior rotation of the knees that have 30 to 40 degrees of interior and exterior rotation. So when you brace up the body, you, you limit it in any position. Braces are, I think, and you can put it in your trash, put it in your pocket, whatever, but bracing the body is the worst thing you could do for riding motocross because it, it, it limits the body and it limits its efficiency and it limits its, its uh, potential to interior and exterior rotate in different points of, of, of the joints. And whatever you don't use, you lose. And that's why people's joints get weaker when they wear 
uh, knee braces. Now, everybody thinks, okay, you're not about uh, safety. No, everybody should be wearing chest protector front and back. Okay, I've never seen anybody die, and I've never seen anybody get tragic injured through a wrist and a knee. And people wear wrist braces on these damn things left and right, but they won't wear a front protector and a chest protector or a back protector. And I've seen people get killed and paralyzed and everything else uh, not wearing protection. So you understand what I'm saying? It's like yeah. you have to make sure you're using this body to its true potential because that's the way it's been designed to move. And that's what I do. That's what my coaching, that's my philosophy, that's my way, is using the body the way it's been designed to be the strongest, most stable, most coordinated, most efficient position. I didn't design the body, but I'm damn well following its, uh, its, 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 its map, okay? Mm-hmm. Then the second thing, I look at the bike, and how is this bike, how does this bike work? How does this bike handle? All this. Now you've got to match the body up to that. And then when you have that, now you have the technique and, and, and the approach that I'm teaching that every single person at the top is using, except possibly one, but there's always, there's always an exception. But, uh, you know, and, and that's where you have to start from. That's where I get so much speed out of people. I never tell anybody to go faster. Everybody wants to go faster. They can go faster. They have the ability. They just don't know how to go faster. And that's where I'm at. I, I teach them how to go faster, and they do it on their own. Because once you have control of a motorcycle, well, what are you going to do? You're going to relax. And when you relax, you're going to have speed. And when you have speed, then you're going to gain more confidence. And then all those things happening together, relaxing, um, you know, or, or control, relaxing, and confidence, well, man, <laughs> that's what the top guys have, right? And you, you have to teach that before you can kind of go down any other roads, I believe, especially, especially at the young age. If you're not teaching your kid on a 50-60 technique, you know, and focusing on where his feet are, where his hips are, where his back is, where his arms are doing, all that, then, man, you're probably not going to make it in this sport. And if you start your kid off with a neck brace on a 50 or 60, you're probably not going to make it either because your your kid's going to adopt such a bad technique style at a young age just to be able to see up that that's going to go to the next bike and the next bike, and then his technique is never going to be able to handle that speed and inertia those next bikes have. And this is where you see a lot of people get flat in our sport because their technique can't handle that next speed. And most people in our sport drop off about 16, 17, you know, 15, 16, 17. You know, there are too many injuries. Uh, their speed is flattened out, and mom and dad are sick of pain for 10th place, right? No, it's the most ignorant thing I ever heard. Show me the scientific research. Show me. There is none. There's zero. These people have made it up. There's zero. Ask any spinal specialist. Ask any doctor. Is it going to help? No. How many people have we killed with these things on? How many people have we paralyzed with these things on? So many you can't even count. I'm in two court cases right now being a star witness because of people being paralyzed from under them. <clears throat> the the layup brace. Think about it, people. You have a layup brace. You have a brace, a carbon fiber strut that, yeah, they've changed it now because they paralyzed so many people. You have this carbon fiber strut laying on your fucking spine, laying on it. So when you go over the bars and your head hits the ground and it goes back to that that neck brace and it pushes into your spine what do you think breaking first your damn spine bud not the neck brace okay you can't tuck your head when you go over the bars when you go over the bars it pushes your head down when your head whips to the side it pushes your shoulders down you can't get in the strongest most stable most coordinated most efficient position because you can't see up so now you get in the most dangerous position flat foot knees in front of your shoulders upper body in the back of the bike yeah, let's wear a neck brace. That's, that's intelligent, okay? Just because maybe this will save me. But now I'm in such a bad position, I've made it one, the one in 100, 10 in 100, right? Yeah. And, and people just don't think about it, man. They don't think about it. And, 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 it, and the only thing they're doing off is going off of fear or what somebody else has told them that's in the amateur ranks. 
Why don't you see any pros wearing it? Yeah, you see one or two. One or two. Okay? Because they're paid and to wear it. And there's always, an, there's always an exception. But they're getting paid probably $100,000, people. Okay? So the thing is, is question. Start out in a good position, end up in a good position. Start out in a bad position, end up in a bad position. No matter how big or mistake, how big or small the mistake or bobble is. And when you already start out with your upper body in the back of the bike, flat footed, knees in front of the shoulders, you're done. Go show me a go show me a, a sport on earth that stands in that position. You will not find one. But you're trying to do the hardest, most dangerous sport on earth in the worst position you could ever be in. Congratulations. At least you're safe, maybe, huh? Maybe. But, show me the, uh, the research. There's none. There's zero. No, zero. I, I, Same with knee braces. There's no research, man. How many people have blown out their knees? How many people have broken their legs? And wrist braces. How many people have broken their arms? You can't even move your wrist. I think uh, Versace, Versace, whatever the hell his name is, Versace. that's what causes his crashes a lot. Because his, his, you can't, he can't go side to side. You know, whenever you limit something, uh, limit a movement of a, a joint, you become affected. <clears throat> you become affected. Why don't Excuse me. Why doesn't any other sports wear so many braces? None of them do, because you have to move and groove. And yeah, you, you got to be able to tuck, roll. You got to be able to flex with the bike. You got to be able to lean with it. And uh, and what more? De- like there, there's no honestly, there's no other sports that that, that uh, demands uh, as much movement uh, and, and creative movement uh, as 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 motocross does from a uh, from a strength and an agility standpoint. Yeah, and you can say, okay, yeah, football, you got to be fast. Basketball, you got to be fast. Yeah, but dude, you're 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 controlling your feet and hands, the things that you were born with. Yeah, a ball. Dude, we're controlling a two hundred and something pound motorcycle, sixty horsepower, that all four extremities are moving at the same time with a track that's continually changing because it's alive. It's hundred and ten degrees outside, and you're in a sauna of gear. You can't see because you got blurred vision. You have thirty, forty other guys on the side of you doing the same shit, right? Your heart rate's up at two hundred. You have to be strong, stable, coordinated, efficient, balanced, uh, and 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 the ultimate consequence is freaking death, man. That that's our sport, and you want to make and you want to just wear you want to just put something on just in case. My biggest thing is make sure you're in the best position to be ready for the what if. What if that front end tucks? What if that back end kicks out? What if there's a hole? What if your hand falls off? And you're in the position I was talking about where most people are with braces and stuff. You're done, dude. You're done. That's why you see Muskin, man, he is amazing. But the thing is, he can do it because he's so soft. And this is another thing I teach my people. You have to be soft on a motorcycle. The more stiffer you, the, wherever you're stiff on a motorcycle, you're going to be affected. That's why James Stewart was always affected at the feet because he was always flat-footed. So he was always on the verge of a crash, and he crashed huge, and he always swapped out and got kicked out. Villapoto, you never saw him swap out. You never see him go sideways because he was so damn tight with his feet and on his toes. So James' technique was perfect from his ankles up to his head, but his feet were flat-footed and stuck out to the side. That's why that Yamaha was all over the place. The Kawasaki, he didn't have to worry about because the Kawasaki is built <clears throat> very stable in the back end. But the front end doesn't turn that much. That's why he always rode so far over the front. But once he got the other bikes and he never changed his technique in his way, then that bike rode him more. So that's the thing is you got to make sure that you're controlling the bike in the right places, you know. And so wherever you're affected, that inertia from the track to the bike is going to come up. Oh, you got movement in your ankles? Okay, cool. Knees? Okay. Ooh, hips are locked up. Boom, that's where you're going to swap out more, right, because now you've locked yourself up. If your arms are tight, you're going to exaggerate whatever that front end does. You know, if you're flat-footed, then whatever the track is given to the bike is going to kick you right from the get-go. So 
you know, this is where it's so important to make sure the body's moving in all these joints just because, just like I explained with the bike. And everybody as a mechanic and everybody as a rider understands if something's not moving correctly on that motorcycle, you will not be able to ride it to its true potential. No question asked. Same with the body. If it's not moving in everywhere it should be, you're never going to be able to use this thing to its true potential. Impossible. Just like if you have a weak core, you're never going to be able to use it to its true potential. Even if you're eating gluten and all this and it's shutting off your lower abdominals. Well, your lower abdominals control your lower extremities. Yeah, you might be a champion, but you're not going to be a super champion if you get what I'm saying. Because if you're not using the body correctly, then you're not going to get all of the its benefits, so to speak. Absolutely. And what it all sounds like is that it really does come down to fundamentals. And I think that's one of the things that, um, I, I always kind of look puzzled as at a lot of uh, these moto parents that they're, they're not super concerned with their, their son or daughter riding with, with perfect technique on a 50 or a 65. They're like, oh, they just need some seat time. I'm like, yeah, well, seat time with bad technique or bad habits cements those bad habits in. I remember when I was growing up playing hockey is that they'd put you in the ready position before every single play so you at least started the play in the right position so that you would start your day and start whatever play it is in the, with with your knees bent your ankles engaged your head up and your shoulders square uh whereas with motocross i, I find a lot of parents that are they're more more happy just to allow, allow their kid just to uh well if they get fast they'll, they'll uh they'll do so just by riding more yeah They'll be, they'll be practicing bad habits. They'll be cementing bad habits into yeah. their nervous system. And you know how hard it, how long it takes and how hard it is to get bad habits out of people's nervous system, Years. out of what is, what is, what is, what is, what, is na- what comes just natural, not natural, but it's just, you know, like I say, it's, 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 uh, conditioned. It's conditioned into them. So just like you in hockey, they put you, uh, you know, flat footed, I guess, cause you're on skates, but a little bit more prayer, pressure to your toes, hips yep. out, chest up, right? And now try to burn a, a neck brace. <laughs> Good luck. You understand? Totally, so yeah. the same thing. If you see these little kids, their head is against their neck brace. So anytime that this bike whips sideways, their back whips sideways, their head whips to the other side, that hits the neck brace. The neck brace hits their, sh- their, their, their shoulder. Their shoulder goes down. They give it gas. They whip it the other way. And you see one mistake leads into three more, and then they wiggle their way out, right? Every single one of them because their head is touching their neck brace. And, and you're already starting your kid out in a bad position. And the perfect example was, um, I talked to Ben Townley and he's coaching Stefan Everett's kids, uh, kid right now. And we, you know, just little things. And one was, he was very flat footed and we talked a little bit and, and, uh, Ben got him on his toes and it was like, wow, what a difference. Excuse me. He made, then I was like, man, he just, you know, he was talking about how he collapses when he, cause you see people that wear neck braces are always that whenever they land, they collapse into the bike, you know, because their knees go forward. They Every time they land, they just sit. They land and they sit. And he said, well, he couldn't get into that position. Well, he couldn't get in that position because of that brace. So he had him take it off, and he goes, man, what a difference today. What a difference of the speed and the control and the efficiency he has. There's not one person that I've ever had to take a neck brace off that hasn't came back and said, wow, I feel so much better. I can see up now. Whoa. Okay? So – I don't want to just battle on these things, but it just I feel these things came into our sport and caused a big, big problem because what's happened is that motorcycles have gotten so fast, so fast, and they continually get better and better and better, and that allows people to ride over their heads so easily because you just give it gas, and these bikes handle so well. They get such good electric uh, traction now, and you're coming up to things so much faster, but your conscious consciousness can't handle it. Your, your, 
your perception can't handle it. You're not, <clears throat> you're not trained to handle it. So we have riders that are used to riding, you know, I guess, uh, you know, physical wise used to riding like, let's say the 1970s bike, but now we have 2018 bikes. So the bike has, has improved so much, but the rider has not. And actually it's gone backwards because of the neck brake position. Absolutely backwards. So that is where I think we're seeing so many more incidents, so many crashes, so many more uh, injuries is because of, because of where people are on the motorcycle, you know? And this is what my problem was when I was racing is that my, my ability to get the speed I was able to go and willing to go and capable of going, my technique didn't match. Okay. My technique didn't match. I tried to go by it, just train harder and go harder than anybody and ride more than anybody because that was just what people told me. But when I talked to Jeremy and I talked to Jeff, they had a different approach to it. They went more off a of feel, more off of a, you know, kind of a technique. I went more off of, I'm just going to work harder than anybody. Well, I had more injuries. I had more championships. So this is what I'm saying, you know, and this is why, again, I'm telling you what I did wrong and, and telling you again, what, what you should be doing right. And the biggest thing is putting yourself in the, in the, you know, really focusing on the right positions. And you're talking about fundamentals. Every sport has fundamentals. Tell me what the fundamentals of motocross is. Uh, if like, do you have my, my what, the, the fundamentals of motocross, um, for me anyway, uh, is to be, to be, uh, loose with the motorcycle, gripping the, the, the bike with your, with your legs, um, riding on the balls of your feet as much as humanly possible, head up over top of the, uh, of the front number plate, as far as I, like, as that I know, and, uh, uh, not controlling the bike so much with your upper body as you do with the lower body. And honestly, uh, it's, it's a lot of, uh, um, it's, it's more, more hip actuation than anything else. Well, yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of a ballpark thing, but when in most sports, fundamentals are very, very direct. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's this, it's this, it's this, it's this, right? When you throw a ball, your hand needs to be here, your foot needs to be here, your eyes need to be here. You know what I'm saying? It's not totally uh, fundamentals of motocross. You control the motorcycle at your feet, the closest point to the rear wheel, the closest point from bike to ground that's controlling 90% of the motorcycle. You need to be one <clears throat> with the bike at your hips because the motorcycle is one, but it's two. It has a front end and then a rear end, and they have separation. They don't work together. So the, the body is the same. It has a lower half and an upper half. When you rotate your hips out like you would sitting in a seat, doing a squat, in any other sport on earth, you will be in this position. Now you have separation from the upper half and lower half. So the lower half of the body from the hips to the feet are for the rear end of the motorcycle. The upper body from the hips to the head are for the front of the motorcycle. So whenever that bike is swapping, you will be able to be one with that motorcycle. And that was the gift of Bubba Stewart and Ricky Carmichael. And if they didn't rotate their hips out, they wouldn't be able to get that level of speed that they rode because those two rode faster than we've ever seen anybody ride a motorcycle in our life, I believe. Oh, I, so, I, I, I totally agree as well. Those, those two are the, the benchmark. Yeah, so you're one with the bike at your, your hips. You stabilize the bike in your core by keeping your back straight. The better the better, um, the better better um, um, sorry <laughs> uh, uh, posture you have, excuse me, the better posture you have, the better strength, stability, coordination, and balance you have because you're starting out in a good position. And once you bring your back up straight, and now you see all the top riders with straight backs. Now your core is involved, and your four extremities, your arms and your legs, are attached to your core, and your core reacts a couple hundreds of seconds before your extremities react. You flow with the bike <clears throat> with loose arms, and you're, you're ahead of the bike with your eyes, being ahead of your bike. So if you can master those five things, 
right? Um, then that's the fundamentals of motocross, can, where you control the bike, where you run with the bike, where you stabilize the bike, how you flow with the bike, and how you're ahead of the bike. Those are the things that you need to master. You master that, and motocross is easy. Thank you. It's just it's that yeah. easy, my friend. Now, uh, uh, one of the things that I, I had kind of like uh, picked up uh, uh, on on with, with the, your psyche, uh, in just in the last week or so, is a, a slow motion video that you posted of uh, of, of Talon Hawking and uh, and uh, and Hayden Deegan doing a start. And uh, one of the comments from uh, from Greg Alberts, uh, Albertson was to get his feet. Uh, getting uh, Talon's feet further for, further in front of the uh, the front the front the, the, fo- the foot pegs rather, um, and, and you were quick to point out that not everyone not every technique works for every single person. Why is that true? Well, just like you know, just like uh, you know, every girl isn't for every guy, and every guy isn't for every girl, and every food isn't for everybody, and you know, there, there's not there's you know, I feel you know what I'm teaching. You know, my, my technique that I teach, I feel that that's, that's, you know, the benchmark, but there's always an exception, like a, like a, um, a, um, a muskin, you know, it's an exception as always is, but, you know, cause I don't feel like really his technique's that good. What I feel that he's good at is that he's very loose on the bike. He's very soft on the bike because if you put his position on the motorcycle and you've asked, is that the strongest position? Hell no, it's not, not even close, not even close. Take him off the motorcycle and have him stand there in that position. What he does, elbows down, knees in front of his shoulders, kind of out a little bit, and have him do any of the sport, and he wouldn't be able to do it. But the thing is, he's so soft. He's so soft on the bike. He's so light on the bike. And the other thing that he he dissects the track, he works the track. As you saw at the uh, Monster Cup, every bit of that track he was racing, every bit of that track he was soaking up, every bit of the track he was he was wheeling or on the gas. You know what I mean? And that's that is what motocross is about is about dissecting working the night the track not just riding so what do you do today not riding what in the hills no at the track oh great cool what do you do whips and cross-ups no you know what i mean so whenever i go to the track i make hey make sure you're engaged today why are you here uh to here to ride oh you are well let's just go down the street and go riding you know or are you here to be a better are you here to be the best are you here to be a champion there's a mindset to it. There's a mindset to it. You don't just come and just do, just go through the motions. Dude, that's why most people don't make it because they just go through the motions. <clears throat> so every time I was at track, I was going to be the fastest. I didn't give a shit who was there. I'm going to be the fastest. I'm leaving here the fastest. And that's why I felt that I went from starting racing in 1984 on a 9-11-80 beginner and being pro, 125, 250 pro in 1988. In four years, I made it from that point to that point because of my mentality of I'm going to be the best every time I get on the track, plain and simple. And I cartwheeled many, 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 <laughs> many times trying to do that, but that was just my mentality. So I know I've kind of gone off off the, off the rails over here, but... <laughs> hey, you're, you know, you're talking about back. the 80s now, man. Like, uh, that's just good times right there. I'll always let you get off on a tangent. If you're going to talk about you riding a 1988 KX125 and Chad and Chad Watts' hair at the time. Yeah, yeah I get that. Now, it was 19, 1990. That was 1990, 1990. Okay. At that. But, so what I'm saying, you know, it's, it's that there's, there's many different ways for many different people. So what Greg was saying, yeah, get your feet in front of the foot pegs. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But I want to get more. What if, the, what if the concrete's really slippery and I need to sit back more? Well, how am I supposed to get my feet in front of the foot pegs? Because all concrete is different, just like all dirt is different. So uh, when Talon sits on the back of the seat with his feet in front, behind the foot pegs and he hole shots, 
that works for him. But maybe Hayden was a little too small, so he needed to come up a little bit. You understand? Yeah. Uh, everybody fights different. So, <clears throat> again, if you're getting a good start, and, again, it's concrete, so how, how aggressive can you be off concrete? You can't. It'd be better to be so patient off concrete and make sure you're not spinning than to be, you know, up front and aggressive and spin. You're going nowhere, bud. So, you know, that's why I made that comment is that, you know, I, I teach people many different ways because all my kids have many different weapons. If it if I ask them to stand, they can stand. Ask them to not use brakes, they don't use brakes. Don't use a clutch, don't use a clutch. Um, you know, it's go outside, go outside. Go inside, go inside. High gear, low gear. Whatever it takes, whatever the track is asking for, they have a technique they've been taught. They don't just have one way. They have many damn ways because motocross to me is like a war. <clears throat> in a war, I would like to have every damn weapon I can have. And so in motocross, I want them to have every technique they can have. So whenever they come to any track, they're never, they're never stumped. They can master any track. It's raining today. Huh, perfect. It's sandy today. Huh, perfect. It's dusty, slippery, hard pack. Yeah, no problem. I got a technique for it all, bud. And that is what's important because there's so many riders that are just one, one dimensional, one dimensional, one dimensional, you know, and all the stars and suns are lined up and shit, watch out. But man, if one moves over to the side, they're done. Right. right and, yeah, and, sure. and again, the thing is, is that our sport isn't developing riders. They're just training riders. They're just trying to get them fast because everybody's so greedy for results. Everybody's so, uh, envious of whatever, envious of what everybody else is getting. Because again, everybody knows this could be their last, you know, subconsciously, I feel that everybody knows this could be their last ride by, you know, the consequences of it, or they're on their last dollar, man, because the sport costs so much, and I just, people are, are broke doing this sport, and so I think people are so anxious for speed, but they're just blowing these riders out, and then, on, then you get these sponsors that are just blowing these riders out, you know, they bring them up into the pro circuit camp and the Geico camp, and they don't do good for a year, and they're gone. They didn't develop them, man. They didn't develop, and we don't have farm leagues. We don't have AAA and AA and all that. We have, you come from Loretta's, you go into the pros. Good job. Yep. And he didn't do good the first two years, so he's done. Well, did anybody develop him? Did anybody maybe find out that he was a little bit immature mentally or emotionally or physically? He had some, he had some imbalances from past injuries or, or, or he wasn't trained correctly or his technique wasn't sound because he came off smaller bikes, you know what I mean? And so that's my biggest thing is, is, is developing a rider. When you develop a rider, then you can get, you can get, you can, you can get guarantee you're going to have probably a, a better future, so to speak. But if you don't develop a rider and you just train them, then you're just training bad habits. Then you're just training the same thing, you know? And, and, and if you're just training the same thing, then you're always just going to get the same thing. You play the same movie. I've never played the same movie and got a different ending. It's always the same ending. So if you're always doing the same damn thing, guess what? You're always getting the same damn ending. Yeah, I think, uh, and not not to uh, um, like kind of put, point anyone out specifically, but to give an example, uh, a guy like Zach Bell, like uh, he was extremely fast. He he led laps. He, he had great qualifying times, but the the kid couldn't stay on two wheels. And I don't think that was any fault of his personally. I, I think that uh, those handling him and then those who uh, that he had in his corner to uh, to get him off on the right foot um, training wise when he started his professional career it was just it couldn't have been more wrong yeah i mean you you, you nailed it right on the head with a zach bell with the Beseglia, with an almost a censorello 
And, um, you know, there, there's been many, there's been many that have come up that have slipped through the cracks because, you know, riders are just like Taros. Once they become a little dirty, boosh, out, get out, there's next, we don't want you. And that's what's sad about our sport, you know, and, and I, I don't care for that. And that's, you know, I'm the guy that uh, is always trying to, trying to help the guy that's struggling, trying to help the guy. I don't care to work for top guys, you know. I could care less. I want to help the guy that's struggling. I want to help the guy that's lost a little bit. I want to help the guy that doesn't have a direction, you know. That's what I want. I don't want to just fine-tune somebody that already knows how to do it. Hell, that, you know, I get so much more out of seeing. I have a kid, Drayton Cook, that's up in Washington. He came down here, and I'm not kidding you. In three months, I took 20 seconds a lap off this kid, and I never told him to go faster. It was only, only by technique and developing him mentally, physically, and, and nutritionally. That's it. Right. That's it. And because he had fun, we, and he ever did because he, he learned, and he understood, and he, and, he, and he saw the progression and understood the progression, even though he was only 13 years old, man, you know? Well, yeah, it's all, it's all about sense of mastery. If you feel like you can solve the problem of going faster on a motorcycle, or you feel so comfortable going between the obstacles, you're just going to grab more throttle. Or you're going to hit the yeah, brakes later. It, yeah, it's, you know, I, I just, I, you know, is it more throttle or is it more just constant momentum? Is it more just uh, being able to flow through things? You know, there's so much to it. It's like almost motocross needs its own philosophy. <laughs> you know, it's so it's so complicated to be yeah. a Tomac or a Moose or a, you know to go that speed on a motorcycle. You, you you can't comprehend it, man. You can't comprehend it. And what you have to be, particularly what your what your what your perception has to be able to to be able to you know, take in and, and, and deliver to your body without even thinking. You know, these guys aren't thinking out there. They're not thinking at all because it takes a quarter of a second to make every thought. So if you're taking a quarter second to make every thought, they're back at the, the start of the triple when they're already in the corner. You understand? So everything is instinct. Everything's intuition because instinct and intuition is, is, a, is, is happening right now. And feeling is happening right now. And that's all those guys do are they're in just a constant feel because you see something, the bike kicks one way, their body is already going the other way because they already know what's going to happen. <clears throat> when I'm following guys on the track, I can tell you what they're going to do before they even do it. It's because of so much constant, constant, you know, education, so to speak, of, of riding it, watching it, riding it, watching it, that everything is a feel because feeling's happening right now. If you're thinking motocross, then you're ahead of your bike or behind your bike. Feeling the motorcycle is happening right now because you only can feel right now. You can't feel yesterday and you can't feel tomorrow. But you can't think of right now because it's impossible. It'll slip right by. But you can think of uh, tomorrow and you can think of yesterday if that makes sense, right? Of course. So that's all thinking is, is future and past. Feeling is, is, is present. It's right now. And that's the biggest thing in motocross is learning how to feel. Feel that bike. Feel that shift. Feel that traction. Feel your feet. Feel your hands. Feel your arms move. Feel, you know, pay attention to your breathing. You know, put yourself where where the bike is because, again, I get so many people that are split on the motorcycle. Their mental, emotional form is off the bike by thinking about who's in front of them, who's who's behind them. Hope I don't crash. Hope I don't get hurt. Hope I don't get tired. Oh, shit, I'm getting arm pumped. Oh, my dad's going to be pissed. Who's my girlfriend talking to? How much money am I going to make? What's the trophy going to look like? I hope I don't get beat by this guy. Again, all those things are going through your head if you don't have something to focus on, because if you don't put any focus to your mind, your mind will start wandering everywhere because it's like a monkey in a cage, correct? So yeah. if your mind is focused there on all that, but your body's riding the motorcycle, and when you get to a point, sometimes you don't truly need to focus on it because it's becoming very efficient. 
if your physical form's on the bike, well, you can only hope that your wheels are going to be where they're at. And if you're thinking of something else, it's only natural the body's going to have a slight tension to it. And if it has a slight tension to it, there's going to be hesitation, hesitation, mistakes, mistakes, crashes, 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 lack of confidence. Now, if you're a muskin, a muskin, and the top guys like that, like a Dungeon, a Cairoli, those guys feel. And you, that's why they don't make mistakes. That's why you don't see so many bobbles because they're feelers. And when you're feeling, you're feeling right where that bike is. It's at this bump. It's at this rut. It's at this jump. It's at this uphill, downhill, whatever it is. And if I'm feeling, well, I can trust that my wheels are going to be where they're at. And if I can trust my wheels are going to be where they're at, my arms will relax. And if I relax, then I'll have a flow. And if I have a flow, then I have speed. And if I have speed, then I usually gain confidence, right? This is, this is how it works, man. This is how it works. There's no doubt about it. There's no questioning it. And, and, and if you're not, if you're only just focused on speed by twisting the throttle, okay, tell me how, when, where, and why are you going fast? I will tell you where, when, why, and how to go fast without telling you just to go faster. You understand? Totally. This is, this is, this is how I feel I can develop riders so much better and keep them safer. That's my biggest thing. How can I make you a better rider, faster rider, but also keep you safe? Okay. For sure. I'm anybody. And so that's my biggest thing with my kids is keeping them safe. And so if you think that because I'm anti-knee brace and anti-breast braces and this and that, that my main concern isn't the safety of my kids, why don't you go ask one of these kids and see what my main concern is, okay? My my way of keeping them safe is by putting the responsibility in their own damn hands. How do you eat? How do you ride? How do you train? How do you think? How do you rest? You know, how aware are you? Are you aware that some days you're going to have bad days, so back it down? Are you aware that you don't need to do that jump just because it's on practice day and that jump won't be at a race? You understand? Or... Are you just going there and just and just pinning it? And so, you know, put the responsibility in your own hands instead of pointing fingers at, hey, Dad, get a second job to make my bike faster. No, you just made yourself more dangerous. Hey, your track is, is too rough. No, your technique just sucks. And then you put all the safety equipment on, on yourself or your kid that's causing him to be in inefficient positions that's causing him to be more dangerous, right? Right. This is, this is the way it is what people are doing and so I, I i teach my kids to put the responsibility in your own hands because you better put up your big boy pants because you just you just accepted a very very difficult sport so i try to get them to grow up very quickly and take responsibility of themselves and then i have and then you have my eyes on them all times making sure they don't do anything that they should not be doing right like a hawk and you can talk to any of their parents and and this this is the way it goes. If, if you're not if you're not engaged that deep in it, then get the fuck out of this sport and stop teaching people, because it's too dangerous, man. I see too many people that do not know have any idea what they're doing teaching motocross, teaching it. You know, yeah. If you want to teach golf and you want to teach that, that's fine because there's no people don't die. In our sport, people die, and people get paralyzed, and people get tragically injured, and so you better know what you're doing. Right? Plain and simple. Absolutely, and and honestly, I, I never feel safer than when I'm I'm just walking down the street. And I think maybe you'll connect with this in the fact that I really too believe that when I see uh, Marvin Muscan or if I see Eli Tomac riding their motorcycle, they look to be in the state of mind that they are just as safe as I am when I'm walking down the street. Hundred percent. I feel I feel like I can ride a motorcycle just as good as I can walk. And I don't ride that much anymore. But when I get on a motorcycle, it's like it's, 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 it's me, man. It's me. It's, it's a feeling and it's a flow and it's a energy and it's a, I can't describe, but man, it's me. And it's, it just, it just 
motocross, what motocross is, and why it's so addicting is because it puts you in the now. You understand? It puts you in the now because the track is continually changing every single lap, every single corner. So every corner and every, it's always new. There's something always new. And if there's something's always new, well, you can't really go away from that. You know, you have to be very engaged, very focused on if you're coming up on something new. It's like riding a new trail, right? A new trail you've never been on. There's rocks and, and logs and stuff, man. You're, dude, you're focused. You're not thinking about what you're eating for dinner. But if the track isn't changing or whatever, then, then you can kind of, your mind can wander a little bit. And so that's where, you know, it, 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 that, that point is, is so important, you know, is, is getting into that, getting into that mindset, you know, and that's where I see a lot of older guys riding it because, I don't know, I just feel that that's part of it. It's like, it's almost like meditative because as you know, when you ride, you kind of forget about everything, right? You forget about everything. When you're riding a bicycle, you can think about, you can think all damn day and you actually think more. Running, the same thing. In the gym, the same thing. Yoga, the same thing. You know, you shouldn't, but same thing. But on a motorcycle, I, you know, the things that I can focus on when I'm riding my bicycle, I cannot focus on riding my motorcycle because things are happening so damn fast. You know? Yeah. And, no, and, and you'd be a lunatic to try so, and do that. It puts you more more into the present moment without even knowing it, and that's where I think there's a bit of addiction to the sport because there's always something new, right? Yeah, even if it's the same corner you've hit ever a hundred times, your local track. You go to Thursday at Glen Helen, uh, the track never changes, but uh, your motocross demands the attention of the mind and doesn't allow you to to to, to vary away because it's um, just a self preservation side of things. It does, it won't allow you to go away because if for if we go for away for a split second, you're on the ground. I think you're under deep down. You understand the consequences of uh, veering away. Yeah, and the, the thing I'm saying about the tracks changing continually is like if I go around the corner one lap and then 40 other guys go around it or go through that rut, you don't think it's deeper? You don't think it got blown out? You don't think it changed? Oh, hell yeah, the next lap I come around. And so now you have to change your line, change your whatever, or or adjust for getting kicked or getting, you know, whatever it is. So that's where, you know, motocross is such an addicting thing because of that of that that point of every there's newness and it's happening so quick that – it's almost impossible to for your mind to wander a bit, which it does. But I don't know if you if you if you've meditated enough and you've done yoga enough and you've gone deep enough, you understand what I'm saying. If you haven't, then you kind of don't understand how the mind and and and, and this stuff truly works. You know, for sure. And you'd mentioned right before I called you that you were uh, doing uh, doing yoga. I was as well, actually. But uh, Bikram yoga has been a big part of your life for a number of years. Uh, first of all, um, like tell, you, tell us a little bit about how you came to that and the importance that it has in your life, as well as uh, uh, some of the benefits that maybe some other riders or some current pros would uh, would find uh, by finding themselves in a studio, uh, lying on a mat, and uh, maybe not thinking so much. Uh, yeah, the, I you know back let's see, 2013, I guess is when I started it. Yeah, I about started. I I just knew I needed to do yoga. I was tight. I was, you know, my back was hurting. It, my my back, my hips would fall out. You know, I'd have problems in my upper back. I was just I was a mess, man. Because my my mentality was I need to be I need to be fit. I need to be strong. I need to be better than everybody. I need to look good with muscles and stuff like that. But I just I just came to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. And so I wanted to I go. I need to find a yoga class, a yoga studio. And the funny thing is is a where I had my gym 
a Bikram yoga studio opened up right next door to it. I'm like, whoa, well, it's, it's a calling. So <clears throat> I got in at the first time and almost died, you know, because I went in there thinking I'm a motocrosser and I can handle anything. But holy shit, that almost killed me, you know. Um, so I said, man, if, if I can't get through that and I'm looking at these little girls over here and old ladies over here doing it, then I need to get my ass in here. I can't be afraid of this. So I did about 300 classes of that. Um, but I, actually, I did it probably about four months. And then I had a crash at Paula, and I broke a T2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. <clears throat> I went paralyzed twice, you know, quad on the track. That's right. And then a hematoma, hematoma grew on the, in my spinal column in the, in the hospital and went paralyzed again. Uh, then they, you know, took that off. I got movement back. Um, then they put two rods and 11 screws in my back and fused from two to seven. Uh, but the doctors are like, dude, you, you should not be walking. Your T4 is gone. It's disintegrated. And, but luckily you were able, it blew out your back. It blew out backwards and not into your spinal column. And if I had a neck brace on, I feel I'd be dead or I'd be paralyzed because I wouldn't have been able to tuck my head. So he said, the only reason that you're probably walking and still here is that you are very strong and you're very flexible. And so I started doing yoga probably four months before that crash. And then after I healed about a month or two, I started doing yoga again. So one, I feel that it saved me. And two, I feel that it brought me back to life because I was able to start uh, balancing my body again going through this stuff. And so I did Bikram for probably 300 classes. And then I started doing some other yoga stuff. And I found out that I was kind of weak in a lot of areas. So I started doing more of that and then I, I do both Bikram and, and different uh, styles of yoga and you know I probably do it now five days you know three to five days a week I don't really lift weights anymore because my body my tricep doesn't work my pec doesn't work and my lat doesn't work too well on my right side so I just end up torquing my body doing a lot of weights and stuff so I can't really do that anymore I don't run because of my knee and my back <clears throat> uh, I do more body weight stuff in the gym you know, a lot, a lot of twisting and, you know, different things like that. Just more body, body weight movements just to keep a little bit of strength in there that way. I ride my bicycle a bit and, you know, that's really about it. But I can say my body feels better now at almost 45 years old than it has in the last probably 10 years. I feel I have more energy than I have in the last 10 years. My mind is clearer than it has been in the last 10 years. My memory, my motivation, my mood. It's like right now I'm running on 12 cylinders, and before in my life it was probably like 10 to 8. And so this is what I'm teaching these kids to get. They're they're learning. They're learning what's taken me 35 years at maybe at 11 years old, 12 years old, 16 years old, whatever it is. And so that's huge. If I had somebody that could guide me in my career, holy shit! What I, I only could imagine what it would have been. But I just guessed the whole time. I had no idea. I had no idea. I just guessed. Because we didn't have anybody teaching us, you know. Yeah. If it, w w yeah. how how good could Ryan Hughes have been if Ryan Hughes 2017 18 uh, was was training you? I feel I could have been one of the best writers ever. <laughs> I really do. That's crazy. I'm patting man. myself on the. I just know how many things I did wrong. You know, I look back and I go, "How in the hell was I so good? God, I did so. I did pretty much everything wrong." So. If I had somebody that could guide me, then yeah, I think it would have been completely different. So back to your question, how could it help other riders? I have my riders doing yoga twice a week, and that's our injury our injury prevention training. You have to train to win, but you have to train to crash. Because hopefully, and we'll do everything we can damn well do to get you to win. 
hopefully. But I can guarantee all the money that I ever have, I can guarantee you're going to crash again. There's no question about it. So we have to train to win and we have to train to crash. So um, yoga makes you very pliable. So when you land on the ground, now you bend instead of break. Uh, it makes you very patient. So on the motorcycle, you have, you're just, you're just patient. When I get my riders to do yoga for a good, probably three months straight, I can instantly see a difference on the motorcycle from a Dean Wilson to, to Justin Heff to, you know, whoever, even, even amateur guys, whoever starts doing it consistently, I can see a difference on the bike because they have more flow. They're softer. They're more patient. And, and they, to me, they stay away from injury because when they land on the ground, now they, they bend, you know? They're not, they're not, they're not all stiff and, and it's, it's huge. You have to, you have to look at both sides, man. And if you don't, then you're, you're ignorant, you're ignorant. And then also about the mind, if your mind is weak and that's what's wrong with 99% of all motocrossers is their mind, their mind is so weak and it's so unfocused and so undisciplined and, and it's so inconsistent, but they want to just go train, 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 moto, 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 but every race they struggle. Right, the practices are kicking ass. They go to the race and they just struggle. And the parent comes to me and they say, "Man, if you could make little Johnny ride like he does in practice, he'd be amazing." Okay, well then why aren't we working on his mind? Why doesn't anybody work on their mind in motocross? When the mind is your computer system, your mind controls your body and the body controls the bike. Right. So that's what I'm saying is everybody's so concerned about their motorcycle, but the fucking the body is controlling the motorcycle. The body is riding the motorcycle. So that's what I'm talking about with all these joints need to be moving and being in the right position. If the bike is controlling the motorcycle, because the motorcycle doesn't just jump off the stand and ride by itself, you ride it. So if the body's controlling it, then you need to make sure that you're in the absolute best position, the strongest position you can be in. And then if the mind is controlling the body, then you need to make sure that you're, you're, you're working on this mind to make sure that it's focused, it's disciplined, and, and, and it's structured, and it's not controlling you, and you have a little bit of understanding of how it works. Correct? Or... You're just going to be shooting darts in the dark. You think the dartboard's over there, but I'm going to have to turn the lights on and turn you around and say, no, dude, it's behind you, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it's uh, the, <laughs> the, the the mind is a powerful thing. Oh, the mind is everything, dude. People have no idea. But, again, that's where I come up with so many people. Why can't some people go faster than others? It's, it's not a physical thing because you can tell me that Ricky Carmichael is a physical phenomenon? Come on, dude. <laughs> it was horrible. But what he had in his mind made him the best we've ever seen, the best racer we've ever seen. Okay? Mm-hmm. James Stewart, he was the fastest rider we've ever seen, but something in his mind didn't make him the best racer there ever was. Right? And so you see these guys, even like a Christian Craig, why can't he be as fast as Kenny Roxon? He has just as much talent, just more talent, more talent than anybody on the track. And technique is sound as sound could be. But there's something in his mind that's holding him back. And it's a fear of injury because he's been injured so many times. It's, it's plain and simple. Same thing that happened to James. Same thing that happened to me. Same thing that happens to everybody after they get injured a while. You know, that throttle starts to back off. That what if, that, that thought of, hey, just don't get hurt. Just don't crash. Just don't get hurt. Just don't crash. Just don't get hurt. But what are you thinking about? Crashing and getting hurt. Doesn't matter if you're not thinking, if you're thinking not to do it, it's still that. And what you think about comes to your mind is a magnet. And if you think, if you think negative, life just says, cool, there you go. Cause life is here just to give you everything you want. But if you think positive, well, life's going to go, there you go too. It doesn't matter. It's, you're a magnet. So you're just attracting what, what, you know, what your future is going to be. 
And so that's where I see so many riders is because I'm like, dude, you have so much talent, you have so much potential, but why can't we get over this hump? It's because of a fear or it's because of a, 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 a fear of failure that if they truly try, what if they don't make it? Right? Absolutely. The, the, the thing that usually stops you is something good, believe it or not. Um, yeah, yeah, seriously, it's usually something good that stops you because, um, a lot of people don't, wouldn't like, it's like they, they're, they're scared of, of shooting for the stars. If they don't make it, I'm the biggest failure in the world. Or when I do make it, can I handle it when I get there? Um, and and all those are reasons why people don't get to their, their true potential. And, And another thing that you mentioned with your mind going where you say, or your your body going, your mind says it's going, it wants to go. Is that when you see a pothole, usually when you notice a pothole, you're at least like maybe 50, 50, 60 yards away from it, more than enough time to swerve away from it. But you look at the damn thing, you worry about it, and boom, it's you, you got a dented rim. When most people, when when other people go up to it, oh, there's a pothole, go around it, no problem, boom. Uh, when, when you're stressing about that pothole is when you hit it. Yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, is what you look at is what you hit, you know, your, 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 your head follows your eyes and your, you know, uh, your body follows your head. So wherever your eyes point, your head's going, wherever your head's pointing, your head's, your body's going. So, um, you know, and then that's the biggest thing is, okay, people, you know, this is my trick for people that have a problem focusing or a problem with their mind and, 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 and it wandering or focusing on the wrong thing on their track. You have to give them a technique. So if you don't have something to focus on, your mind will start wandering on all the shit that you don't want. It's just natural. It's natural. What if? What could? What might? What if? What could? What might happen? So I have to give these guys techniques. I want you to, and, I, and all the little technique tips I teach them about your toes, about your hips, about your arms, about your eyes, about your breathing. Focus on all those little things. And if you focus on those things and feel those things, then you can't think about what you don't want because you can't feel and think at the same time. But if you don't focus on something and you let your mind just wander by itself, it's going to go off into another dimension and start thinking about all this other crap. But if you can bring that in and focus on your feet, focus coming in the corner, hips out, focus coming on the corner, okay, loose arms, right when I get in the corner, look ahead. I've had motos, 35-minute motos with Langston, with Brownie, with who knows how many people, uh, Lampson right behind my wheel for 30 minutes. And the only thing I ever thought about for 30 minutes was loose arms, look ahead, loose arms, look ahead, loose arms, look ahead. Because if I have loose arms and I look ahead in every single corner, then I make every corner perfect. And if I make every corner perfect, then I make every straightaway jump, uphill, whoops, perfect, right? And if I say that every single lap, or I mean every single corner for 30 corners, how do I have time to think about anything else? I don't have time to think about what I don't want. And it's almost like a mantra. When you start saying the same thing, you get yourself into into a rhythm, right? Into a rhythm. And so that's another thing that I teach my guys is try to put the attention on you. Focus on the little things. You focus on the little things, all the little technique things, then you make the, make the ultimate things happen by speed and winning races. But if you're already at the races and you're already spoke, uh, focusing on winning and you haven't even started and you still have another 20 minutes to even go, how many little things did you forget about, right? You're already focused on the ultimate, but you forgot about the immediate. Focus on the immediate and you'll gain the ultimate. If you focus on the ultimate and forget about the immediate, you're going to miss both. Plain and simple, right? Yeah. So that's the thing is, is in motocross is look at the little things, and that's what will gain speed, and that's what will gain consistent speed, and then 
you know, again, there's just so much shit to teach. It's incredible, man. It's incredible. But that's why I'm just absolutely one trillion percent engaged in this sport to 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 teach it, to study it, to share it, to help people. I mean, it's me. That's it's it. That's it. I was came on this earth to fucking do this, and that's it. There you go. You're, you're stuck. You're stuck with it, man. We're stuck with you. And uh, before I let you go, it's been an awesome time having you on the show, man. Uh, I love every time you come on because you're so well spoken. You speak with passion, and you and you absolutely love the sport. But uh, um, uh, I, I B Corp, Yamaha, uh, Twisted Development Motors, and uh, and you, you're doing a ton of work with these guys. Um, I know you've got a, a a ton of new developments with the team, and you've got a, a an interesting way of how to uh, select riders. And, and, and putting that team together. Uh, if you could give us a little bit of an update and, and some of the inner workings of that program, that would be great. And then uh, we'll, we'll let you go with the rest of your evening. Yeah, no, that this team is, is, is uh, came along last year. We put it together in November, right before Anaheim. So we kind of just threw this thing together. And we had an amazing year last year with three riders that uh, kind of you know, had some things. We were tiny. We're almost top privateer team of the West Coast Supercross, so that was very impressive. All the riders made every race. We had no injuries, this and that. So very consistent. Bikes were good, all that. This year now we have Twisted Development. Uh, we have a little bit of new management of the team, and uh, um, we have more influx of money. Uh, we, now we have a show that we've done a show last year about it, which is, is airing right now on uh, Super. Uh, uh, racetrack supercross uh, tv and but uh now we have a contest coming up for a third rider so we have two riders we have martin uh castello and we have uh, justin heff and those are both the guys on our team but we we need one more guy and this is where our contest is coming from and our contest ends uh november 15th we'll we'll pick three to four guys to come out here we're going to put them through the paces find out what's the best guy that has the most potential uh, for our team and for our show, because that's what the sport needs now is entertainment, needs personality. Our sport is dead. It's boring with personality. These guys that are at the top have lost all pizzazz, have lost all, um, you know, interaction with the fans, so to speak, because, um, I'm sorry, man, they're just boring. Yeah. And, uh, and he's Ronnie Mack. Half the people at Red Bull Straight Rhythm are there for Ronnie Mack. I talked to Ronnie Mack. After after the races for a while, uh, the next, and the week after, and he says, "Dude, I gained forty thousand new followers just from that race, just from that weekend. Forty thousand new followers. Okay, more people were dressed up, more kids were dressed up like Ronnie Mac for Halloween than probably all the motocrossers put together. Okay, yes. so uh, you can you, guarantee our, that. Our sport needs personality. When I was coming up, our 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 era had personality. You know, people could identify with us." We had fun. We did this. We hung out together. We went to some parties. We went to the river. We did things. Yeah, these guys do too, but they just don't show you guys because they're afraid to be something that uh, uh, that they're not supposed to be. They're afraid for someone to see something, you know? It's like, dude, be a human being, bud, you know? And that's why I like Kenny Roxton. He's more of a human being, you know, having a beer, showing this, showing that, showing up in a suit. You know what? I'm professional. I take this shit serious. And, and this is... This is what our sport needs, so this is what we're trying to bring. Are we going to change the sport? No. Are we going to make it the most popular thing? No. But at least we're trying to bring some entertainment into it, and not just base our team off the of results, because results are very inconsistent. And so we want to base our 
our our our our team off results and publicity off our show and off our contest and be able to give somebody that nobody's ever done before a hundred thousand dollar supercross ride for west coast supercross just think some kid that's down and out and doesn't have anything you know maybe on a shit team now or lost his ride and and i see or we see that man i could build this kid this kid has potential he just hasn't been developed and we bring him on he gets a free ride hundred thousand dollar ride best bike there possibly could be best trainer best team come on man who's doing that these days nobody but we are there you go when uh you mentioned the where where they can watch but where can people watch the the series and uh and, and keep up with the team uh it's on youtube you know we're doing we're doing a youtube uh a youtube um a channel you know because that's everybody has their phones in their hands nowadays <laughs> yes, right yeah people don't, people don't watch uh much of um um much of um TV so much anymore. So it's a you know YouTube uh racetrack supercross T V. That's pretty much it is a racetrack supercross on uh YouTube. And you can you can you can follow you can follow them also on Instagram. Racetrack Supercross or at Racetrack Supercross. Yeah, absolutely. I've been keeping track on that myself. Looking forward to more episodes. Uh, Ryan Hughes, it's uh, it's a pleasure and a treat to have you on the show, my friend. Uh, and I invite you to come on as, as often as you'd uh, be willing to take my phone call. It's always a pleasure. It's always uh, informative. And uh, you brought the fire tonight, my friend. I really appreciate the time. Uh, no problem, man. I love it. I love to share. I love to engage with people. And, 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 you know, like I say, I love to share the sport of motocross. It's, it's been, it's been amazing to me, you know, that this one little sport has brought so much, so much to me. So I, I owe a lot to it. Absolutely, for sure, and and uh, you, you're amazing at giving back to it, and uh, by by the looks of uh, of, a, of a talented uh, Mr. Deegan, as well as that uh, that kid that seems to jump from a Kawasaki to a Husqvarna to a KTM every once in a while, and in Talon Hawking, super talented, and uh, better things to come for that kid. Yeah, I have uh, I have a lot of I have some young kids that that are going to be the the you know the future here uh, shortly, and then also I have a lot of. Uh, a lot, a lot of, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but for Justin Heff next year, he's looking really good, That's really good. And what I see in him, I see I see number ones on this kid. Awesome. Well, uh, maybe after this I could uh, get his phone number and have him on the show at some point. Oh, 100%, 100%. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, uh, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I didn't offend anybody, and hopefully I uh, opened some eyes. So, enjoy. Keep those wheels on the ground and kick some ass. <laughs>